listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Today in church, which absolutely amazing service at Miracle Word Church today, um, it was our covenant day of healing, and we laid hands on everybody that needed healing. We laid hands on all the children. Um, I got up this morning, and I felt in my spirit that um, just one one thing from the Lord, no more sickness in Jesus' name, no more harassment against your body. And um, so, I mean, I felt that. I felt a righteous indignation hit me this morning. And uh, I came in, I said, we're having a day of covenant healing. I prayed for those that were home, that were battling, prayed for those that were there. And um, absolutely wonderful service today. And uh, as I was teaching, I was encouraging everybody from the church to jump on with me tonight. Because as we're going through this time of um, prayer and fasting, um, somebody asked, John Harvard, from Harvard, do you personally follow a schedule for specific times to have bone broth, beverages, water, coffee, etc.? I do not. It's just liquids throughout your day. I don't get legalistic about it. Drink the liquids when you feel like you need liquids and don't eat food and pray and seek the face of God. But as you're praying, one of the things that I said today Sometimes people hear us say, you know, we need to pray pray for an extended period of time, you know, an hour. We talk about setting an hour as a goal for this time of fasting and prayer because if you're going to push the plate away, I mean, if you're going to truly not eat any food and you're not praying at least an hour a day, Bishop Oedepo said, just eat something because you're not praying, you're not pressing into God. You know, if we can watch a Netflix episode for an hour, if we can you know, do other things, read, whatever, scroll, social media, read books, whatever, for an hour, then we definitely need to be praying at least an hour. It's a good biblical starting point because it's what the church did each day. They gathered um, at the temple at the hour of prayer, and it's what Jesus encouraged Peter to do. And it sounded as though he was talking about it as it was like a starting point. He said, you couldn't even tarry with me for one hour? Jesus thought that was not a long period of time. So, uh, we've set that as our baseline goal. And if you want to do more, do more. Um, but what happens is people get into extended times of prayer and then they're like, I don't know what to pray for. Like I, I've, I've prayed uh, for everything I can think of under the sun and I'm looking at my watch and like 13 minutes have passed. And like, I don't know, you know, we've got, <laughs> I don't know what else to pray for, you know? So this broadcast is going to help you. That's, this is what I'm dealing with tonight, how to boost your prayer time, how to keep yourself engaged in prayer. And if you followed our ministry for any period of time, you know that we've always talked about using prayer points. We give you prayer points. I have prayer points in this book. I've got prayer points in this book. And we have uh, prayer points in our app for you to download. Um, and so we use those because they're very helpful. They base your prayer on God's word and they give you starting points of things to pray for. But I want to give you um, seven different types of prayer to boost your prayer time. Because a lot of times when people think uh, of prayer time, a lot of times they're just thinking about the prayers where we ask God to do things for us. And that is one type of prayer. 
but that's only one type of prayer. So uh, I'll, I'll touch on that tonight, but what happens is, is that people pray for God to do specific things for them or their family or for their ministry or whatever, their business. And yes, make your requests known to God, absolutely. But that's only one type of prayer. And uh, if, you're, if you're taking notes and if you're putting things in the comments, um, that type of prayer is called the prayer of supplication. The prayer of supplication. And that's the first type of prayer that we'll talk about tonight since I'm already mentioning it. It's number one, the prayer of supplication. And there's no, nothing at all wrong with that kind of prayer. We should pray that kind of prayer. In fact, God wants us to pray that kind of a prayer. And um, this is found, obviously, in Philippians chapter 4. I'm sure you know that. Philippians chapter 4. And um, as we're looking at this passage, notice what the Bible says. I'm going to read you Philippians 4, verses 4 through 6. Um, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Okay? So that's Philippians 4, 4 through 6. Let your requests be made known unto God by prayer, supplication, thanksgiving. This prayer of supplication, um, the easiest way you can think of it is to be supplied with something. The prayer of supplication, to be supplied with something. Um, that's definitely a biblical type of prayer that God wants his children to pray. He doesn't even want you to be vague or say, well, God, whatever it is you have to give. No, he said, make your requests known. So that means we want to be specific about the things we're praying for. And uh, that needs to be one of the parameters on your prayer requests, that they are specific requests. If we believe God's able, if we believe he's powerful, if we believe he can always do exceeding abundantly and above all we ask or think, then our prayers should be specific. No question. Our prayers should be specific. And so number one, the prayer of supplication is something we're going to do um, in our times of prayer because I, I, was often, uh, I often think of it this way. You know, how would I feel if my children never even cared enough to ask me for anything? You know, uh, when I first started having kids, and by the way, I didn't have any of them. <laughs> My wife had all of them. Um, but when, when we had our first, I was sure, like, you know, it's not, I didn't have a word from the Lord or anything. I was sure that that first child was coming out as a boy. I was sure I had a boy coming. No question. My oldest child's going to be a boy. And I was so blessed that I got my girl. I got Maddie. She was my first child. My second child was a girl, which I thought maybe that'll be a boy. My second child was, and I got my Brooklyn, and I love my Maddie, and I love my Brooklyn, and then Teddy came last. And, um, you know, one of the things, and I was just thinking about this the other day, especially at Christmas time, um, this Christmas, Maddie just got um, her own record player. And I had a record player, and I have a record player in my office, and I bought the my, when, when Maddie was growing up, she loved Cinderella, the movie, the old Disney movie, Cinderella. 
and I bought the Cinderella vinyl to play on our record player. And she had the Cinderella princess dress and the Cinderella glass slippers and the tiara and all those things. And um, we'd come home from traveling on the road. We'd come home from being in meetings. And one of the first things we'd do is that she and I would go into my office and I'd put that Cinderella uh, vinyl on on the record player and I'd pick her up. She'd be in her uh, dress and her tiara and her glass slippers and I'd pick her up and we'd waltz around the room and I'd dance with Maddie and uh, she just got her own record player and I let her put on the Cinderella uh, vinyl at Christmas time. But it was making me remember when she was really little and she she was just you know still a toddler, and I can remember changing as a person. And I'm sure some of you fathers and mothers can attest to this. When I had a daughter, it changed my whole life, changed my whole mindset, and I mean melted my heart, absolutely melted my heart. And she could come and you know ask me for whatever, and you know it's like whatever you want, anything you want. And I'm kind of still like that, Maddie, if you think about it. Is that not true? And she's saying yes in the back because she's directing this program tonight. Um, but it's kind of still the same way. It's kind of still the same way. Uh, I'm kind of like, whatever you want. Because she was like, Dad, I want to come in and direct some programs. And I was like, you got it, baby. Anything you want, whatever you want. And so here she is tonight uh, in the director's chair directing the broadcast. And uh, and, and I, I, I thought to myself, you know, how ridiculous would I feel if I have these children that I love so much, but they never cared enough to ask me for anything. They never came up to me, they never kissed me, they never hugged me, Dad, can I have this? Would you do this for me, can I get this? And it would make me sad that my kids either didn't care enough to ask me for something, or they didn't think I was able to do it for them. They were looking elsewhere, they were looking for people, other people to help them, other people to do things for them instead of their dad. You know, it would make me feel um, bad. And I know the Lord, he wants us to ask him for specific things because he loves us. And Jesus taught in Matthew 7 that God is a loving heavenly father who knows how to give good gifts to those that ask him. He doesn't give bad things. He gives good things. And see, I want you to hear this tonight. God doesn't want you to be vague about your requests. He doesn't say, well, Lord, you know, false humility, whatever you have for me. No, no, let me know. You know, my, I don't want my kids to come up to me before Christmas and say, well, you know, Father, whatever you have for me, hallelujah, this year. No, I want to get them exactly what they want. I want their faces to light up. I want them to be so excited because I love them. And God's even better than that. He's a perfect uh, heavenly father. So he wants us to ask. So I say that because some people are made to feel greedy or materialistic because they pray prayers of supplication, but it's a biblical prayer. It's a biblical prayer for God to bless you and uh, the, do the things that he wants to do for you. Um, and so that's, that's number one. And as you're praying, um, as you're praying, use that type of prayer. That should be a portion of of your prayer time. Now, again, in this broadcast, I'm teaching you how can you go through an hour of prayer and fill it out with, with prayer and not get to 14 minutes in and be like, I don't have anything else to pray for. Let me show you the other things that will boost your prayer time, that will fill out your prayer time. Number one is supplication. These are, of course, we don't start with that, but it should be in our prayer time at any uh, moment in time. Um, 
You say, well, what, what, what type of prayer should we start with then? Well, thanksgiving and praise are a type of prayer. And I've always talked about how we sandwich all the rest of our prayers with thanksgiving and praise. Even as this said, with prayer and thanksgiving unto God. So we always come into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with prayer or with praise before we even request one thing from him. And I like what Glenn said in the comments. He said, um, don't steal the father's joy. It's a joy for the father to bless his children. He takes pleasure in the prosperity of his people, the Bible says. It's a joy. God loves to bless you. And uh, I was talking a little bit about that at church today. Uh, God told me one time, he said, people cut my system in half. It's not the system of sowing. It's the system of sowing and reaping. It's not seed time. It's seed time and harvest. Don't cut God out of his own system and be, you know, with the false humility, oh, I don't need anything. Thank you so much. No, he wants to bless you. He loves you. He wants to bless you. But let me give you six others besides supplication, because that's kind of what everybody's doing. But it is one of the types of prayer that will boost your prayer time. You should ask God for what you're believing for. But let me give you number two. Another type of prayer you should be using every day in your prayer time is the prayer of consecration. No question about it. That's number two, the prayer of consecration. This allows you to spend time in prayer and pray for things God wants for your life as well. What does the prayer of consecration look like? Well, let's flip over to the gospel of Matthew and let's go to Matthew chapter 26 and see how Jesus prayed the prayer of consecration. Um, Dorothy said, I live in Minnesota. Where do I find your live service online? So this same YouTube channel that you're watching on, Dorothy, if you go back through our videos today, our live videos, it'll be the live video right before this one. So the live video right before this one. And we're live on this YouTube channel. We're live on Facebook. We're live on X every single Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern time. And so you can go back and watch today's. Um, Matthew 26, I want to read to you um, verses 39 through 42. Jesus is praying and he says, Bible says, and he went, went a little further and he fell on his face and he prayed saying, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Of course, he's praying about his crucifixion and, and redemption. Nevertheless, not as I will, you see that, but as you will. Not as I will, but as you will. Then keep on going. Verse 40. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, so could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may, enter, may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And let's finish verse 42. Again, for the second time, he went and prayed, my father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. So the prayer of consecration is us saying, Lord, I give myself to you fully. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. Whatever you want me to say, I'll say it. Wherever you want me to go, I'll go there. And it's you saying, God, I belong to you. I set myself apart. I, I 
for a, for this purpose, if you look that up in the dictionary, consecration is to set something or someone apart for a religious purpose. But it's us for God's purpose. Lord, I am your vessel. I'm your servant. I'm your child. Whatever you want me to do, I will do it. Whatever you want me to say, I will say it. Not Most simply put, the prayer of consecration is, God, not my will, but your will be done. Not my will, but your will be done. And that's why I've said this on broadcasts, and I think it makes people kind of look like with wide eyes, like, what, seriously? That's why we don't tell our children that, you know, when you grow up, you can be anything you want to be. I don't believe that. No spirit-filled believer should teach that to their children. When they grow up, they can't be anything they want to be. They've got to be what God called them to be. They've got to be what he planned for them to be. Because notice something. The moment you get saved, the Bible says you are not your own, but you've been bought with a price. You're not your own. You don't belong to yourself. That's one of the biggest revelations every Christian has to get. I don't belong to me. I belong to him. And if he is the one who owns me, who has full control of me, then it's not my will, it's his will be done. It's not my will, it's his will be done. And so I'm not going to say, you can be anything you want to be. No, you got to be what God called you to be. This is why the prayer of consecration is so vital in your life, is because he is your Lord. That's a powerful thought. He's not just my Savior, he's my Lord. He's not just my Savior, he's my Lord. A Savior requires thanks. A Lord requires obedience. Hmm. Put that in the comments. A Savior requires thanks. A Lord requires obedience. If I save your life, you'll just say thank you. You'll be very grateful, but you don't have to obey me for the rest of your life after I save your life. (laughs) That's not how it works. But God didn't just save your life. He became Lord of your life. And because he became Lord of your life, he requires our obedience. And so we are his servants. We're his children. We're his vessels. And we pray. Take time during your time of prayer in your fasting and pray prayers of consecration. Just tell the Lord plainly, Lord, I'm willing to go wherever you want me to go. I will say whatever you want me to say. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll be whatever you want me to be. Just reveal it. God, give it to me. Show me and I'll do it. I'm your servant. Give me instructions. I'll do it. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. That's consecration. Let there be times in your prayer that you are telling God that you are his, that whatever he wants you to do, you will be obedient. You'll go and do it. Quick, as quickly as you can do it, you'll do it. We had a comment about that one time. And it's, it's been multiple times, but people say, man, you guys, talking, talking to me and Carolyn, man, you guys say you'll do something and then you, you like just do it. There's like no delay. You just like do it. It's like, yeah, because we don't just do things randomly. We let the Lord speak to us and then we do what he tells us to do. And if he's the one that told us to do it, we don't want to delay I don't want to delay and, and, and wait forever to do it, you know? It's like I've talked to people. It's like, 
Um, you know, like we're, we're going to be, and, and again, this is not about any specific person, but I've heard it multiple times. You know, we're going to be launching a church and it's like, oh, that's great. When, when are you launching the church? It'd be like sometime, you know, at the, at the end of like 2026, you know, we're, we're, it's like, dude, what are you waiting so long? Like we, and, and I'm not saying this because but we announced it to our partners at the end of October, we were open in March. Like we, we, we were going as soon as we could find a place to hold it. We started holding it. We went after it. Um, Whenever God gives you something, do it as quickly as possible. And that's right, Liz. We, we say that often. Delayed obedience is still disobedience. Delayed obedience is still disobedience. So Ben Fraley asks, does that include asking God for the next step in your ministry or your life? No. That would be the third type of prayer that I'm going to touch on tonight which is the prayer for direction or the prayer to be led by the spirit, the prayer of direction. So they go closely together because as you're praying for direction, Lord, show me where to go. Show me what to say. Show me what, what, you know, that's the direction part. But then the consecration part is, Lord, once you show me, once you tell me, I will do it. Lord, I'm yours. Use me how you'll use me. Do in me and through me what you want to do in me and through me. So what ends up happening is the prayer of direction and the prayer of consecration end up going hand in hand because it's not enough to just get a direction from the Lord. We still have to be faithful and humble enough to just go do it. No matter what it looks like, just go do it. Just go do it. And and that's the key. Just go do what the Lord told you to do. And so the prayer of direction, on the other hand, is saying, Lord, I know, and this is, trust me when I tell you, this is humility, because I can tell you this from experience, not just from stories in the Bible. I can tell you this from experience, that the Lord will speak to you and tell you to do certain things, and they won't make sense to your natural mind. (laughs) I've been there. I've, it's happened to me over and over and over, and you don't understand, but you don't have to understand God's instructions. Can you be? Can you imagine being in the military and them telling you, we're deploying you to this country? Well, I'd like you to explain to me why you're deploying me to that country first, because I'm not going if it's not a good enough reason. I need you to talk to me. No, no, you'll, you'll be in military prison. You'll be in military prison if you resist your orders until they properly explain why. It's like, dude, you get orders, you follow orders. And that's right. Let me, um, let me say, Jess Burton said in the comments, eventually it makes perfect sense. You just have to obey. I'll tell a story about Jess and Jared because we were planning to start this church and we hadn't told anybody. We hadn't told anybody. And uh, they had called up and they'd sowed a seed and they said, you know, uh, and I think you guys went back and forth about saying this, but you said, you know, using it for, for property or building or whatever it was. And um, they said, well, that's going to, they're going to think that sounds crazy. And um, then they said, you know, we feel to move and we're going to leave where we're at and we're coming to the like West Palm Beach area of Florida. And we weren't up there yet. We were down further South and we got this message and Justin Jared is like, they're moving. They don't even know why that, you know, it's in their spirit to like leave and to go to the West Palm Beach area of Florida, sowing seeds towards property. It's like being led by the spirit. 
But I was like, Carolyn, we got to call them. <laughs> we, we have to call them. And though nobody else knows, we got to let them know because this is a life change. I mean, they're selling their home. They're going to come to West Palm Beach and they don't even know why. And we got to, we got to, and they were being led by the spirit, obviously being led by the Holy Ghost. But I was like, man, we got to, we got to re release this information. So we called them up on the phone and we we're like, well, here's why you feel in your spirit, you know, to do this. And we told them, and I think Jess, you said, <laughs> They said sold our dream home. They sold their dream home. And Jess, <clears throat> I think you had told us this, that, um, you know, after you, after, after we told you guys, you guys were like up, like couldn't go to sleep that night. So excited about, uh, you know, that you, what you heard in your spirit and God confirmed it and it was all falling into place, but that's being led by the spirit. That's what it's like being led by the spirit. It makes no sense in the natural realm until it does. <laughs> I love that. In fact, I want you to put it in the comments like that. Being led by the spirit makes no sense until it does. Being led by the spirit makes no sense until it does. Because then it, what you heard, what, what, what you got from the Lord, when it manifests in the natural realm, then you're like, oh, that's exactly why he told me to do this. That's exactly why he told me to come here. That's exactly why he told me to say that. Makes no sense until it does. <laughs> I don't know why. I'll just be honest with you. Sometimes God uses moments for someone else. And uh, <laughs> it's like today. I, I was. It was our covenant day of healing. I was preaching on healing. And uh, that was my whole message. That was all my notes. But for some reason, I got into teaching this for about 10, 15 minutes where I was talking about the fact that God wants his people to seek after the manifestations that are in scripture, not weird, flaky manifestations. And I got teaching on that. And I was like, you know, we're not a church that goes after gold dust and feathers and gems that are appearing and supernatural weight loss, people's pants falling off because they just dropped 50 pounds supernaturally. And I was like, you know, why are we, why are we more enamored with manifestations that are not in the Bible than manifestations that are in the Bible? And I was going off. I went on it for like, you know, um, I don't know, my 15, 20 minutes. And I'm like, you know, we're, we're getting to healing. What's this all about? And then somebody came up to me afterwards and said, you know, I really want my fiance to come to church, but uh, all the stuff you mentioned at the beginning of this service was all the reasons they were afraid to come. Like, I don't want to go to some Pentecostal church where there's, you know, people are freaking, uh, freaking out doing, you know, looking for gold dust and feathers and all. all the things I mentioned and more was all the exact things they had talked about. I was like, well, go back and, and tell your fiance to look at the video. And it's like, that message was for you the first 15 minutes. And that's, and that's the thing. And that is the thing, is that sometimes the Lord will just have you say things. You don't know why you're saying them. You're just being led by the Spirit. You're just being led by the Spirit. But it's for somebody. It's for some purpose. It's for something. So we're seeking direction. We're seeking direction. They did that in the Old Testament, did it in the New. We're still doing it today. Go with me to 1 Samuel 30. This is the prayer of direction. The prayer of direction. We need to be led in all that we do. Can I just warn you? Don't ever make important decisions about your life without prayer and fasting. Don't do it. 
I mean, unless the Lord just shows up and gives you a, such a specific word that's burning in your spirit that you know this is God, I got to do it. You know, if you don't have a leading and you're like, well, I don't know what I should do, fast and pray for any life decision. Don't just pick up and go somewhere. Don't just, you know, fast and pray. The Lord will show you. The Lord will show you. He'll give you instructions by the Holy Ghost. The Lord is interested in your life. Yeah, even if you really want it. That's right, Susan. I agree with you, Ryan. Ryan said, I feel like people don't pray for this because they're too comfortable. I totally agree with you. And that's why fasting gets us out of our comfort zone, crucifies the flesh, lets the spirit take charge. And uh, I, I agree with Susan. Even when, when something you really want to do something, don't go just on the feeling or emotion or desire. Go based on instruction. Go based on instruction. I tell people, if you're young, you should never go to college, uh, you know, for any major or purpose unless you know what you're called to do. The Lord will show you at 17. He, can, he showed me at five and then showed me again throughout my life multiple times. He can lead you. He can lead you. That way you're not wasting a ton of money. You may feel that, that the Lord tells you to do something. He may not even tell you to go to college. He may tell you to skip it and go do what he's called you to do. Do what the Lord says. Don't just take any career path. Don't just take any job. Don't just marry any person. Don't just move to any place. Consult the Lord. Consult the Lord. And so this is the prayer of direction. Happened for David. The Bible says David came back. Starting in verse 1, David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day, and the Amalekites had made a raid against the Negev and against Ziklag. And they'd overcome Ziklag and burned it with fire. And taken captive the women and all who were in it, both small and great. And they killed no one, but carried them off and went their way. They abducted them. They abducted them. And the Bible says when they, David and his men came to the city, they found it burned with fire. And their sons and daughters taken captive and their wives. And David and the people who were with him raised their voices and wept until they had no more strength to weep. And David's two wives had also been taken captive. Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him. That's one of the funniest verses in the Bible every time I read it, because it makes me laugh. It's because it's so obvious. Like, David was greatly distressed because the people thought about stoning him to death. It's like, yes, that would distress anyone. And the Bible said, they could have just said the people spoke of stoning him, and it would have been implied he was greatly distressed. Um, <laughs> and the people were bitter in soul, each for his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. And he said to Abiathar the priest, the son of Ahimelech, bring me the ephod. So Abiathar brought the ephod to David, and David inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue after this band? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, pursue, for you shall surely overtake and surely rescue. Can I tell you something? David didn't even bother to assume. Now think about these situations where you would assume. Well, they took my wife and kids. Obviously, I'm going to go get them back. David said, no, I'm not. Not unless the Lord tells me to. Think about that kind of dedication. Absolutely wild that David said, now, you know, he's a warrior. He's got men around him, mighty men that are also warriors. He'd be like, yeah, 
We're going right now. We're going to take back every, every one of our loved ones. And they said, no, bring me the ephod. Let me pray. Let me inquire of the Lord. Let me inquire of the Lord. Because direction is so powerful that when you're walking in the direction of God, he goes ahead of you, moves barriers, obstacles, opens doors that weren't even there. <laughs> Anybody that's knows what I'm talking about, you can know God opened doors for you that weren't even there before. I got exciting things that are happening behind the scenes. I just talked to another family. I can't share the details, but they were like, we were wondering how it was even going to happen. We want to be here with you guys. We want to be here around at the church and all the stuff, but with our job and all the things that's going on, I didn't know how it was going to happen. And then God starts opening a door. He opens doors that weren't even there before. They weren't even there, but that's what direction does for you. The power of direction. That's what the Holy Ghost does. Hallelujah. And so it's the prayer of direction. So number one, the prayer of supplication. Number two, the prayer of consecration. Number three, the prayer of direction. Number four, the prayer of intercession. I put I posted this all as a reel, but if you get to the end of your prayer time and God answered all your prayers and the only one affected was you, you failed in your prayer time. Because one of the prayers that should be part of your prayer time is the prayer of intercession. The prayer of intercession. That's when you're praying for others. You're believing God for others. It's amazing what the Lord will have you pray for that you didn't even know to pray for. God will have you pray for things that you didn't even know were happening. You had no idea that they even existed until the Holy Ghost led you to pray for them. That's what being led by the Spirit's like. And that's what he'll, he'll lead you to by intercession. Now, there's two types of intercession. Number one is intercession for things you did not know about. That's by the gifts of the Spirit. And then there's intercession for things you do know about. And you can pray for other people uh, and say, you know, I'm going to pray for... Uh, for example, my pastor, I'm going to pray for my children. I'm going to pray for my wife. I'm going to pray for my husband. I'm going to pray for my parents, I'm gonna, whatever. And I'm praying God will strengthen them. And I'm praying God would use them and open doors for them. And God would give them revelation, all those things. That's intercession. You're interceding on behalf of someone else. And that's not by a word of knowledge or by the gifts of the spirit. You're just picking things that the word of God says his people should have. And you're praying those things for other people. But there are times when you'll pray, and you'll pray for things you didn't know how to pray for. You'll pray for things because the Holy Ghost led you to pray for them. It's like the story I talk about with um, Dr. Sumrall and Howard Carter, how they were overseas, and they started suffering that, that fever in their body in a third world nation in the bush, in the back backwoods of, of the bush somewhere. And this couple in the United States just feels that day, with no technology, no emails, just to pray for them. They, they had a burden to pray for them. And they began to pray, 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 pray. And then uh, a lot of time went by. And, you know, uh, when Dr. Summerall was back in the States, he was visiting with them, having dinner with them. And they, they looked back in their prayer journal and said, what was going on with you on this day and this year? And he looked back in his journal. And he said, you know what? That was the day the fever hit us. Nobody knew it. It was taking us out. And God led them to pray. That's intercession with the gifts of the Spirit, uh, Spirit attached to it. Because that's how would I know to pray for somebody that's going through something unless the Holy Ghost led me to intercede for them? 
So there can be times, things you don't know about, and th things you do know, know about. Prayer of intercession. Second Chronicles chapter 7, and let me read you verses 12 through 15. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verses 12 through 15. Listen to this. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon in the night and said to him, I've heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. When I shut up the heavens so that there's no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. Now, my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer that is made in this place. So look at this. The prayers of these people will affect the whole nation. So your prayers can affect quickly and with strength others outside of your own circle. You don't even have to know a person. Think about how powerful that is. I don't even have to know a person personally to intercede for them. Hallelujah. Dorothy said, what do you do when you know that you're to be with a ministry, but your husband isn't in agreement? How do you manage uh, while you wait? Well, you have to bring that unity together. You have to have unity and you have to, you know, be in submission there in your household. Pray for him. Like I'm talking about, pray that God will speak to him. Pray that God will move him in that direction. Pray that God will do things. You know, one of the things that starts to happen is, uh, and we're seeing testimonies of this already. People are like, man, I can't, uh, you know, I'm not going to say anything. My husband, man, he's, he's really getting involved. I've never seen him get involved like this. I've never seen him be excited like this and, and do this. He's fasting, he's praying, and, you know, he's, he's, he's being faithful to church, and he's jumping on, he's giving and sowing, and, and it's happening. God's using the prayers of others, you know, to affect the ones that he's ready to change. So press in, prayer of intercession, pray for your husband. That's how, you know, we can pray um, for even our president and others in a, a authority or leadership. I don't know any of them. I don't know anybody that's in Congress. I don't know, you know, I know one senator personally, but, I, you know, I don't know, I don't know uh, all the senators and I don't know, but you know what? You don't have to know someone personally in order to pray for them. The question came in the comments, how do I pray for unsaved husband while fasting? Number one, pray that God would soften his heart. Number two, if he's not, it's, it's hard a lot of times for, um, you know, with, if it's your family, the Bible says a lot of times you're without honor in your own country, among your own people, or among your own family. There's, the familiarity breeds contempt. So if it's not going to be you, then pray that God sends someone across his path that will give him the gospel, give him the truth, and that his heart would be open to receive it and that he'd quickly come into the kingdom. Pray like that. So this prayer of intercession is me offering up prayer. It's literally making requests on the behalf of others. Making requests on behalf of others. That's what intercession is. I'm praying for someone else, interceding for them. And so, Katie said, 15 years of praying and believing for this, and today he was at the altar getting hands laid on him. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I'm very happy. Very happy. Because God answers prayer. He's a prayer-answering God. Oh, that's very kind. 
Michael said, my wife was leery about listening to others and was hesitant to listen to you. Plus, I look shady. If you see me on video, I look very shady. If I stood next to you in like a 7-Eleven, you'd be, I get it. Um, but she said, I, I said, just listen to him for two weeks, and now she thinks you're the best. She loves your services. Praise the Lord. Well, I'm happy about that. But understand, you can intercede, making requests on, the, on behalf of others. And it's something, if you, I mean, literally, you could spend your whole one hour of prayer time simply doing that. I mean, simply doing that. Think about it. You know how much stuff you could pray for others? I could spend a whole hour and plus more just praying for one of my children. So could you. So could you. One of your kids, one of your parents, one of your siblings, whatever. One you whole hour goes by, I could keep on going. I got more things I need to ask God to do for just Maddie who's sitting in the back, for just Brooklyn who's waiting at home for me to read her books before bed, for just Teddy, for just Carolyn, for just the members of my Miracle Word team. I could spend way more than one hour asking God to do things for them. And I, and I do spend time asking God to do things for them. It's part of our prayer time. It's part of our prayer time. <clears throat> so that's number four, intercession. Number five, the prayer of faith. The prayer of faith. Do you know you can pray the prayer of faith even over yourself? The Bible says, and I preached on it today, James chapter five, is there any sick among you? Let them call for the elders of the church who will lay their hands upon them and anoint them with oil and the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise them up. And if he's committed any sins, they'll be forgiven him. You know, you don't have to just have somebody else because if you look at how the Bible teaches it, every believer's empowered to lay their hands on the sick. Every believer. So it seems, if you pair these two passages together, it seems as if, as though James is saying, is there any sick among you beyond help for yourself? Because truly, if um, you can lay your hands on the sick and they'll recover, then what's to stop any believer from laying hands on themselves? So it seems as though he's saying, is there any sick among you beyond help for themselves? Call for the elders of the church. And they'll do it. But you can do it for yourself. What's to stop you from getting up in the morning, laying hands on your own head and saying, Lord, today I impart healing virtue that's flowing through my body and every wicked thing that was sent against me is running from me right now. And I thank you. Strength is coming upon me. And you pray the prayer of faith over yourself. Nothing's stopping you. You can do it every day. You could pray the prayer of faith. I pray it over my wife. I pray it over my children. I lay hands on them. I don't wait till church. I do it at home. I'll lay hands on my wife at home. I lay hands on my kids at home and pray the prayer of faith. Amen. Pray it over yourself. The Bible says that the prayer of faith activates power. The prayers of a righteous man or woman makes much power available. In fact, go over there. Remember, it's all in the same context there in that passage. James chapter 5. Same context through the whole passage. Right after it says that, the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he's committed sins, he'll be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power 
as it's working. Same context. It's all the same context. So get that. That's the prayer of faith. That's number five. Now let me give you number six and seven. Number six is the prayer of agreement. The prayer of agreement. The nice thing is we're in this time of corporate fasting and corporate prayer. You, can, you have others, you have your friends, your loved ones, your spouse, children, whoever, that are fasting with you and they can join in agreement with you. You know, that's one of the reasons we give you prayer points so that we can all be on the same page knowing what we're praying for and we're believing God for breakthroughs. We're believing God for turnarounds. So as we pray, as we're doing those things, we're agreeing, joining our faith together. We're joining our faith together. And so that's what we're believing God to do, that as we join our faith together, where two or three are gathered together in my name, Jesus said, I'm right there in the midst of them. And of course, that's in reference there as they were getting ready to uh, bring in church discipline and all these things. They're agreeing together about what's to happen. And Jesus said, I'm right there. My authority is right there with you, right there with you. One passage says one can put a thousand to flight, two can put 10,000 to flight. There's a multiplied impact when you agree. Amen. There's a multiplied impact when you agree. The Bible says a threefold cord is not easily broken. A threefold cord is not easily broken. And so understand this. As we join our faith together, expect, expect multiplied results. Expect multiplied results. I often think about the man on the mat in the Bible who was paralyzed. It took agreement just for him to get his miracle. Because that means he had to have friends that were in agreement in faith and were standing with him to even bring him to Jesus, to then take him on the roof, tear the roof, tear the roof up, and lower him down in front of Jesus. It took agreement just for that miracle to happen. Agreement is powerful, man. Agreement is powerful. And so I'm telling you, don't ever underestimate the power of joining your faith with somebody else. That's why I pray for you. That's why we, even on these broadcasts, we join our faith together and we pray. The prayer of agreement. And then let me say this, the final type of prayer is spirit prayer or praying in tongues. Praying in tongues is far more powerful than anybody knows it is. Most people don't talk about or teach on all the benefits of praying in tongues. I've done it on this broadcast multiple times. I'm going to give you two of those right now. But when you pray in tongues, again, if you've heard me do any teaching on this, praying in the spirit is not praying in a foreign language. Though God can anoint you and empower you to speak a foreign language for a purpose, gospel sake, whatever. Paul taught praying in the spirit is not a, a foreign language because the Bible says you're speaking unto God and not unto men for no man understands you. It's the whole point of, of having an interpreter. If you speak in unknown tongues and that message is going to come to the whole body, you have to have someone interpret what was said in tongues and that's a gift of the spirit. It's a gift of the spirit. Re remember something, interpretation of tongues is one of the nine gifts of the spirit. If it wasn't a spiritual language, you wouldn't need interpretation of tongues. You would just have a natural interpreter there like I just had in Bogota, Colombia. The Lord would empower me to speak in a language I didn't know, and then my interpreter would know that language and know the other language of the destination and then speak and translate for me. 
it wouldn't be a work of the Spirit. It would just be translation. But it's not just translation. It's a gift of the Spirit, the interpretation of tongues. Why? Because the tongues themselves are a spiritual language that requires spiritual interpretation. Hallelujah. So tongues is a spiritual language. Paul said, no man understands him. So, you know, I've heard the argument from people before. Well, the reason, um, you know, Paul spoke in tongues and the reason that they spoke in tongues in Corinth, it was a port city. So there was a lot of foreigners always going through there. And their churches would have had a lot of like people that were from other countries because of the trade routes and things like that. Okay, well, then what's the point of having interpretation? And what's the point then of Paul saying that no one understands him? Because even if you say no one in the assembly is the context, okay, well, then what about all these foreign people that the tongues were for? It's not for that. It's not for that. No man understands him. Tongues is a spiritual language. It's not gibberish. It's a spiritual language. And so two things I want you to see. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14.2, the Bible says, For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not unto men, but unto God, for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. Mysteries in the spirit. There's no earthly language that's mysteries in the spirit, but tongues is. And verse four, the one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. When you speak in tongues, you're building yourself up. It's an encouragement to your spirit. It's an encouragement to your spirit. Verse 17 of this same chapter says, for when you're speaking in tongues, you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not built up. So speaking in tongues is a form of thanksgiving. It can be a form of thanksgiving. And then finally, Jude, verse 20, the Bible says it's an avenue to build up or stir up your most holy faith. So speaking in tongues doesn't give you more faith, but it does stir up your faith or build up the faith you already have, which is necessary. I tell people, it's like if you're an athlete getting ready to perform in a game or in a practice, always stretch your muscles out. You don't want to injure yourself, stretch your muscles. And one of the things that's happening as you pray in tongues is you're stretching your faith out, getting it ready for action. You're building up that most holy faith. Doesn't give you more. The Bible doesn't teach speaking in tongues gives you more faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And I know that you're, those watching me, you've felt that as you've prayed in the spirit, you feel your spirit man encouraged. You feel it stir you up to another level. And so I encourage people, take time every day to pray in the Holy Ghost. And it should be one of the avenues that boosts your prayer time in the, in the hour or more of prayer that you're doing. That's why I'm giving, imagine if you broke these down. Imagine if you broke these down. Think about this. Um, seven times eight is 56, which leaves four minutes. So let's just say you, one of those was 11 and then the rest. So if you were going to break your hour of 60 minutes down, that's like eight minutes doing each one of these things. Eight minutes doing each, eight minutes of, uh, consecration, eight minutes of the prayer of faith, eight minutes of direction, eight minutes of intercession, eight minutes of spirit prayer, eight minutes of agreement, eight minutes of supplication, not to mention 
if you took eight minutes on all those, you could take the rest of the time, which I think is only four minutes, but you could take the rest of the six minutes. You have four minutes. You could take the rest of the time, um, you know, thanking and praising God. It could be your Thanksgiving and praise sandwich. I mean, I spend more time than that, but you, you know, think about that. Eight minutes in each one of these types of prayer in your prayer time, there's your hour. I take eight minutes to consecrate myself to God. I take eight minutes to pray the prayer of faith over me and my family, my children, my wife, everybody. Eight minutes to ask God to give me direction. I take eight minutes to intercede for others that I'm believing for. God will do amazing things in their life, ministry, business, family. Eight minutes to pray in the Holy Ghost. Eight minutes to pray. Maybe you call somebody on the phone. Maybe you're whatever. Maybe you're with somebody. Pray the prayer of agreement. Could you agree with me? Do you got 10 minutes to pray on the phone real quick? Eight minutes to ask God for the things you're believing him to do personally for you. Prayer of supplication. And then by the time you're done with those eight-minute slots, eight, 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 you've got an hour gone, and you've not even been led by the Spirit in prayer yet. I mean, think about that, because I know those of you that are watching me, you've had that experience as well, is that you start praying, and then all of a sudden, the Holy Ghost starts leading you in prayer, starts leading you and guiding you in prayer. And then you say, oh, yeah, that comes to your spirit. I got to pray for that. Oh, I need to pray for this. Oh, I need to pray for that. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely, because he wants to lead you in prayer. There's things he wants you to pray for. Glory to God. So we got to be led by the Spirit. But just if you did that, people say, man, I'm, I'm teaching this tonight because people are like, man, I don't know. An hour is a long time. I've never prayed for more than 10 minutes. I've never prayed. Well, here's a way that will help you to focus those moments, to focus, break it into segments. Even if you started a uh, a, a repeating eight-minute countdown timer on your phone. And every time that buzzes, you flip to the next type of prayer. Another ring, next type of prayer. Break it into segments. And then you're covering, and then here's the benefit of this, is that you, all of your prayer is not just focused on you. Then when you focus this way, then now I'm including kingdom prayers. Now I'm praying for things that uh, I may not even know about. I'm being led by the Spirit. I'm praying for others. I'm praying for my, my president. I'm praying for nations. I'm praying for the body of Christ. I'm praying for my pastor. And then I'm interceding for others that need Jesus or whatever it might be. And you're going off, but you've got structure in your prayer time and you're breaking it down. It'll fill an hour so quick, you'll, you'll be blown away. You'll be like, look at this. It feels like I just started. Now I'm all the way past an hour. Not to mention praying in tongues. See, so I wanted to do this to show you, this is how you can boost your prayer time in such a way that you, you don't get to a, a, a certain point in your hour. And you're like, oh man, I've prayed for everything I can think of. Like what, what else can I ask God for? It's not that you should be asking God for other things, but engage these types of prayer. Hallelujah. Engage these types of prayer. In fact, like right now, let's join our faith together at the end of this broadcast and begin to pray. I want you to begin to pray in the Holy Ghost right now. Let's stir our spirits up. Let's encourage ourselves in the Lord and pray in the Holy Ghost. Come on. Roshte barra dige bondosho to rebi andara dostekia. Barodo sheki ama masto toka tevri. Baregi ashoto robonde gride jukotobra. Marada lekiste se pradalaso. Randekia boroko stekia pava. Barotoste kididiste. Marondo sheko tebro valo do rodemi. 
Beraza roke ti babasta, mengosho te brodigi ambora castanai, roste fitolo broboro de miai, caliata prostoli carebi andosia kai, mando ropo sheka tiba mananaye, rebendic rekeshti a fosta nor, ma redia varedia bosocote, ma fandoco se bivi, jevribi andolo cosetia castadai. Father, we're thankful tonight that you're using us. Thank you, Lord, for the anointing that you've placed upon our families, that you've touched us with. Tonight, Lord, I'm asking you that you would begin to quickly move behind the scenes and that you would already begin to complete the things we've asked you for before we even see one thing change. We thank you that you're already moving, that you're already working, that you're already accomplishing the things that you've planned for us, that you've set aside for us. Lord, we thank you. This is our year that we're under open heavens and we're going to have exactly what you promised us, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard. And Lord, tonight I ask you, strengthen every Victory Tribe member. Strengthen every member of Miracle Word Church. I pray that you would do wonders in them this year, mighty things. Let this be a year to remember. I pray that this would be a banner year for your people in Jesus' name. I pray that their families would be saved supernaturally. I pray in Jesus' name that they would see all of their children filled with the Holy Ghost. I pray that their loved ones would be healed. I pray that addictions would be broken. Lord, let this be a time of total turnaround, total breakthrough in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you would work on our behalf. Open doors where there were no doors. Make a way where there was no way. In the name of Jesus, I pray, Lord, that you would move so swiftly on our behalf that by the time we get to the middle of this year, that we'll have to come up with all new prayer requests because you've already answered all of our prayers. In Jesus' name, Lord, we take authority over all of the attacks of the devil that have been launched against our loved ones and our families. And I ask you tonight to do a quick work I thank you that you're sending your word to every family and your word is driving out every foreign thing that the devil sent to destroy us. I thank you that everything that acts as a harassment to our families, our loved ones, it comes to a swift end in Jesus' name. Lord, we dedicate ourselves to you. Use us like you've never used us. Use us for your glory. I pray that you would show us new things in 2024. Give us a vision for the future by the power of your Holy Spirit. And as you reveal it, we'll do what you want us to do. We'll go where you want us to go. We'll say what you want us to say in Jesus' mighty name. We give you praise tonight. We give you glory for it by the power of your Spirit. Amen. Hallelujah. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.